What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada Sports Betting Podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, a weird opening night in the Major Leagues of Baseball. What else is new 2020? We learned some hard lessons about what it takes sometimes to get your bet cashed. Rain, pitching scratches, everything under the sun seemed to happen uh, last night. We're going to get into all of that. What you need to know also for Friday, who we like, who we don't like. We got a handful of plays and some unders. We're going to get into that right now. It's time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to the window. I'm your host, Matt Russell. Well, that was an auspicious start to the baseball season. Uh, a quick review, Chris Abbott and I crank out a monster preview podcast, and we do so as close to the season start as possible while still allowing you to be able to listen to it. Still not close enough for the MLB, who decides to change the entire format of the playoffs hours before the first pitch. Commissioner Manfred, this guy is out of control. Unprecedented at this point is sort of losing its value as a word, right? But again, this is an unprecedented move. So yeah, another unprecedented thing happening in the time of COVID. Now don't get me wrong, I'm all for it. I've actually lamented that the NBA didn't get way looser with its restart formatting, right? But we've had months to bleep around with this stuff, Manfred. And, you know, we almost had it with picking who you want to play, right? The, the guys who, the teams who finish in the you know, first spot, second spot, win the division, we were hearing rumors that they were going to draft out their opponent for the playoffs. And we almost got there, but no, Manfred put a stop to that at the last second. So more importantly, what does it all mean for us, right? What does more teams in the playoffs mean in the betting world, right? And that's the content that we're trying to provide here that you're not going to get from the mainstream media. Well, it's good. It, it, it adds value to the Diamondbacks, Padres, and Blue Jays, all teams that we have long shot futures with with regards to the LCS, right? It gives them a better chance to get into the playoffs. It gives all those teams in that, you know, thick middle of sort of wild card contention, right? Because we've talked about in the preview podcast, and there's maybe two divisions that are truly up for grabs, right? We're going to take a shot at some underdogs in a couple of divisions, but really the sweep stakes is in the NL East and the NL Central. Well, you know, teams are going to win those divisions, but there's also two or three other teams in those divisions that have a chance, right? You go into the AL Central with Cleveland. Um, Chicago now has a better chance to get into the mix. Uh, and of course, like I said, the Diamondbacks and Padres in the West and the Blue Jays and, uh, and even the Rays as well, right? They don't need to win that division anymore. Uh, and it makes the top teams more of a lock, of course, right? There's certainly no way the Yankees are missing the playoffs now. There's no way the Dodgers are missing the playoffs now. But 
if you've bet them to win the World Series or you've bet them to win the LCS, not great for that bet because they now have to jump through more hoops, right? They have to play an extra round, a three-game round, no less. And what is their, you know, what is their prize for forgetting to do this? What is their advantage? Well, their advantage is home field advantage. They get to play all three games of that first series at home in front of no one. So congrats to them for that, for having to do that. So you can imagine if the Dodgers end up having to face the Reds or the Brewers or one of these teams that can pitch with them, uh, you know, they could be vulnerable in that first round. So you could also maybe make the case that it's if it's close late for a division, the top teams might not go as hard knowing that there isn't really that much of a difference between being first or second in the division. That's a bit looser. Uh, I suppose that would even open the door for the division underdogs, of course, but also for unders on those top teams. Chris and I talked about how, you know, it's such a high bar for the Yankees and the Dodgers to reach at 37 and a half wins. And, and I was able to actually grab the Dodgers under 38 uh, after the Kershaw news last night, and Lord knows we're going to get to that. But I was able to grab under 38 at around even money. I think it was actually a little bit plus money, um, you know, because I was thinking that they were an under team in general. In fact, Chris and I, that was one of the teams that uh, we sort of disagreed on, and we have a, a dinner uh, riding on those teams. Um, but I said, decided to throw a little more money on uh, into the mix for the Dodgers under when Kershaw went uh, went to the DL. Uh, I don't expect him to be out overly long, but, you know, again, w- at this point, one start, you know, again, not necessarily the one last night against the Giants, but one start next week might be the difference between a 39 and 38 win season. And who knows if it lasts a little bit longer than that. Uh, As for the games last night, lessons were handed out early as, God forbid, we just have something go smoothly at this point. Uh, Incredible what went down last night, given the fact that there were just two games. So let's start off with the Yankees and the Nationals. Of course, first thing that happens is Juan Soto, he is ruled out with a COVID test positive uh, no word necessarily on whether that was even a correct test. I've heard that, of course, he's uh, tested negative a couple of times. Of course, that is, uh, you know, sets off a line move as everybody starts scrambling to adjust their probabilities with Washington being without one of their best hitters. Uh, I would make the case that there was an over-adjustment as we started seeing moves up into the 140s, uh, even touching 150, plus 150 um, for the Nationals. Wasn't enough necessarily for me to start pulling the trigger on a bet in a game that I wasn't going to bet um, beforehand. Uh, and then if that wasn't enough, the rain comes. And it just absolutely crushes. And as somebody who has been to Washington one time in his life, and it rained the entire time, I, of course, sort of roll my eyes and shake my head. But that means that we have to, first game of the year, start learning our books, our sports books rules. And basically, for money line bets, let's say you had the Yankees on the money line, uh, 
you need that game to be official and only official, meaning that it has to go five innings or four and a half if the home team was winning. But in this case, the Yankees were winning. So we had to complete five innings. We did that. Uh, if you had the Yankees, you were just praying that we could get through five innings and you were quite fine with the rains coming uh, and wiping out the rest of the game. Problem is, if you had the run line, if you had the total, and if you had any props that were, uh, for instance, say Scherzer over strikeouts, that gets washed away. Uh, and again, depending on your book, right, it's a total free-for-all. Some cases, your book only needs the game to go seven innings, or six and a half if the home team is winning. Some need it to go a full nine or eight and a half if the home team is winning. Otherwise, the run line, the total, and the props get voided. So, congrats, you were on your way, and who knows how the rest of the game would have gone, but you're on your way to a Yankees you know, run line victory. No, not so much. That gets voided. And like I said, a Scherzer strikeout over gets voided as well. Any of those sort of totals get voided entirely. You get bailed out if you had the under, so that's good news. So we're already scrambling to look at the, the book's odds, uh, or the book's rules, I should say. And the next game uh, gets fired up, San Francisco and the Dodgers. And we have an even bigger pregame scratch. Clayton Kershaw comes down with some tight back situation, uh, as mentioned, sending everybody into a frenzy, sending me to look for under uh, <laughs> win total bets. Uh, and frankly, it's just a relief that it wasn't a COVID scratch, to be completely honest. Uh, my play of the day, I put it out on Twitter, was over eight, uh, which was another rule book cracker because, of course, Kershaw gets scratched. And now we're looking at the rules with regard to listed pictures and action. Okay, and so what that means for for the uninitiated is if you're... If you make a standard baseball bet and your pitchers gets one of the two pitchers gets scratched, the bet becomes void. Now you can go in and there's often a box where you can click or unclick to make sure your bet has action even if a pitcher is scratched. Some books even allow you to select only one. So in the case of last night, I've got an over eight bet with Kershaw on the mound, I would be delighted if he got scratched before the game. So I need to select the uh, action, right? I have to make sure that even if the listed pitchers aren't the ones who go, that my bet is still able to go so that it doesn't get voided, all right? If you bet the Dodgers because he was pitching, for example, you'd want no action. You would want that to be voided if Kershaw got scratched unless you just feel because the Giants were so terrible and let's be honest the Giants are so terrible uh, at least they were in the first game of the season you would want you know if you want the Dodgers no matter what then of course you can make that uh, adjustment and and make it for uh, for action no matter who starts and of course he gets scratched and there's a line move after the after that pitching change and uh, and it was funny because there was a line move before the pitching change. So, of course, these lines have been up for weeks, right? The rare circumstance where a baseball line is up for weeks in that these two teams have been scheduled to start the season for a couple of weeks now. 
And the Dodgers were heavy favorites, of course, in the minus 270 to 80 range for the longest time. Well, day of the game, everybody shows up. I don't know if they were unaware that these <laughs> that the lines were uh, made weeks ago, or they had wanted to see if we had anything crazy happen with regards to, you know, COVID scratches or anything like that. Well, they show up and they bet the Dodgers hand over fist, and they move the line up over 300. Uh, the price gets to, I think, around 315, minus 315, I should say. And, of course, then Kershaw gets scratched, and the line comes back down because, you know, obviously, guy that not a ton of people have necessarily heard of, especially relative to Kershaw, he's now on the mound, and the line comes all the way back down to about, well, minus 270 essentially where it started with Kershaw. So it just goes to show, guys, we got to get on top of this stuff <laughs> when it comes to, you know, when the line's open, if you liked the Dodgers at minus 270 with Kershaw, you know, how could a, a replacement pitcher end up being the exact same price? Of course, it didn't matter because, again, the Giants are terrible, and the Dodgers starter acquitted himself quite nicely. Uh, that being said, the total moved up to nine, nine and a half. And of course, because the, it's the way the world works, uh, a bunch of late runs and it lands on nine. So a ton of different results out there. So if you bet the over uh, eight, um, as I tweeted, but you took the, you know, you delisted the pitchers, essentially, you're a winner. And, you know, kind of a fluky winner, if we're being honest, because that game was 1-1 into the seventh inning, and then the Dodgers opened up the floodgates. Uh, at the same time, you know, that probably could have soared even higher if Mookie Betts doesn't uh, ground into a double play, or was it strike? I believe he struck out with the bases loaded. Um, not what you would expect from Mookie Betts facing sort of a third-rate reliever. So it ends up landing on nine. So unfortunately, if you were still pounding away at it at nine and a half, I know that was available plus money. So it might have sort of been interesting to you, um, you know, with that pitching pitching change, uh, you end up losing there. Uh, a lot of people would have pushed on nine or had their bet voided. But again, just a classic example of sort of being needing to be on top of things when it comes to baseball, right? And that's the tricky part of baseball. That's in a way one of the elements that makes it a grind. Knowing that you're just you're not just making a bet here, you have to make sure all of your parameters apply to your bets. And we'll get into this in a little bit with Friday's action in that there will be circumstances where it won't matter who the starting pitchers are and we won't, you know, sort of delist them. And there will be situations where, okay, if one of the starting pitchers goes out, you know, we would be happy with that pitcher, you know, being scratched and keeping our bet. There will be situations where, you know, if our pitcher gets scratched, we want the voided bet. So there's kind of a lot of hoops to jump through there as well. And again, that's sort of part of the deal when it comes to Major League Baseball betting. So let's grab a quick break and take a look at the card for Friday on the other side as the rest of the teams take the field. Okay, quick shout out to my guy Neil over at Hundo P Productions. If you're on Twitter, Facebook, I think it was even on LinkedIn, you probably saw the sweet tease videos that he created 
for my interview with Chad Millman. Great job by him over at 100P Productions. He can help grow your brand with cool videos like that that help promote your product or your service. Uh, contact him over at Hundo P Productions to help boost your brand and get the next level of video marketing. www.hundopproductions.com or at Hundo P Prod on Instagram. Don't just post, inspire. All right, night two of the Major Leagues of Baseball, and again, it's probably worth mentioning that normally I wouldn't be betting baseball. I normally don't bet baseball. It's not that I don't necessarily follow it. It's just that the season is too arduous. Again, stuff that we talked about in the first segment happens, uh, having to follow along with who's starting, and... You know, over the course of the betting season, I've talked about it, my betting season starts in September with college football, the NFL, you know, sort of preparing for that in August and wraps around college basketball starts, right? Then we get into February, March Madness, uh, the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, you know, Masters, golf. And by the time sort of mid-June rolls around, like I need a break. And trying to jump into a baseball season in mid-June, you know, part of it is, you know, some people will say, okay, by mid-June, you have a good statistical basis of all of these teams to sort of go off of. And that's true, but at the same time, everybody has that statistical basis. And everybody's got the same stats and everybody is crunching these numbers. And the value on teams by and large and different games are all getting picked apart super, super quick. So it's a real, real grind. And if I was preparing preseason for baseball, that means I'd be doing it in March. Well, that's arguably my busiest time of year. So I'm not going to do that. So I'd be just playing catch up if I was um, betting in June uh, on a game to game basis. Uh, I will sort of, you know, certainly look through and sort of my favorite baseball bet is looking through uh, what's gone on over the course of April and May and betting division winners uh, of teams who I think are going to make a push down the stretch and uh, and aren't getting good odds because they, you know, struggled to start the season. Of course, this season, plenty of time to prepare for baseball. No pesky March Madness in the middle of July to... Uh, you know, to draw my attention away. And of course, the start of the season being ahead of the other leagues, the NHL, the NBA, uh, you know, gives an opportunity to sort of focus on that first week or so of baseball. Will I necessarily keep betting baseball regularly once the NHL and the NBA get going? To be honest with you, I don't know. Okay, again, we're in unprecedented times here. Right. If I have a good beat on the league or if I have a good beat on the, you know, on three or four teams, maybe maybe it turns into one of those where I'm betting for and against, you know, one, two or three teams because I have a pretty good idea based on the first week of sort of, you know, what they're about. You know, I don't know. Unprecedented times. All I know is that we've got a decent slate here on Friday and we can go up and down that board and try to find some value here and there. So let's start off with the quote unquote early game. How there isn't a game at one o'clock or even earlier than that, I will never know. Major League Baseball never change. 
Uh, Braves and the Mets are at 4 o'clock. Of course, Jacob deGrom goes, and automatically he is the favorite. Uh, anywhere from sort of anywhere around the minus 145 range is what you'll find DeGrom at. Uh, you know, going against a perfectly good Braves team uh, and, uh, you know, very strong pitcher as well in Soroka. Uh, I'll be leaning towards the Braves here. Um, always tricky to fade DeGrom, of course, um, but it's not going to be a play for me in this case. Um, but the Braves at plus money does look, um, you know, quite interesting. Um, but I like the Mets this year to a degree. Uh, but I also, of course, respect the Braves. Uh, the totals at seven and a half. You could grab the under at minus one twenty. Um, it's just uh, the numbers, right? You know, it's it's not worth betting that game at all, which sucks because you'd want to bet the four o'clock game. Um, if you could find an eight somewhere, as far as the total is concerned, I'd certainly take the under. Uh, in that circumstance, um, Detroit and Cincinnati. Uh, Detroit looked, in, you know, looks interesting on paper, except for they're awful. Um, with Matt Boyd starting, uh, plus one fifty-five though is the number. I'm I would need it to be closer to two hundred. We'll get into some teams that we will be betting um, at and around those numbers. Uh, eight and a half, nothing there for me on the total. Uh, as for the Blue Jays and the Rays, uh, again, as somebody who's pro-Blue Jays this year, kind of can't believe I'm saying that, um, was interested in the Blue Jays, and the reason I'm off of that is because they just never win in Tampa. And I know it's sort of dumb to you know, reduce it to that sort of thing as far as the location is concerned, but man, they just, even at the best of times, they just couldn't get it done in Tampa. And of course, Charlie Morton, um, you know, nothing to sneeze at there. Uh, the total does seem a little bit low for me at seven flat. Um, that being said, I'd just prefer to stay away and just kind of hope the Blue Jays can win from a win total standpoint. I know it's the first game of the year, but again, we're, we're in a 60 gamer. This is the kind of things we have to think about. Uh, Marlins and the Phillies, no play for me there. Uh, Phillies would be the only way to look, but at minus 200 uh, on the money line, not anything I'm looking to mess around with this early in the season. I will mess around and get a little loose uh, with the Kansas City Royals. Plus 180 or better, Danny Duffy on the mound against the Beebs, Shane Bieber. Uh, no play for the total, but I will take anything plus 180 or better. Uh, I think you can get this thing close to uh, plus 200, which would be great. Do expect a little bit more from Kansas City and a little bit less from Cleveland. And with Kansas City's best starter on the mound, um, worth a shot. Listen, don't I don't expect Kansas City to win the game necessarily, but from a math standpoint over the long period of time, that's where we got to go with it. Uh, I do like the next game a lot. The Brewers, Brandon Woodruff on the mound against Kyle Hendricks. Uh, Chris and I talked about how the Cubs are sort of valued in kind of brand name players that we expect to take a step back this season. Hendricks, not necessarily in that category the same way that a guy like Lester is, um, but I certainly like Woodruff a lot more than I do Hendricks. And, uh, and we're going to take a run at Woodruff here. Um, anything at even or plus money, because I do think the Brewers should be favored by a little bit here, um, as I do have them winning this game about 53 to 54% of the time. So plus money or better, of course, uh, gives you an edge on that one. 
Eight and a half is the total. Uh, no play for me in that circumstance. Uh, Orioles and the Red Sox. And I see that we have a change of pitcher situation. Again, this is classic Major League Baseball betting where you take your eye off of it for one second and all of a sudden we got a change of pitcher. Um, going to stay away. I had the Orioles originally. Tommy Malone getting the start. Uh, and it's moved that lineup close to uh, plus 200. Uh, I'm seeing some plus 197s and uh, and plus 185. Anywhere sort of in there. Again, with a change of pitcher. Uh, really rough start to <laughs> to the season as we uh, as we can't get things straight here. I'll have to look at deeper into uh, the situation there. But again, when you're kind of trying to crank these podcasts out early in the morning, um, so that everybody can get a good chance to listen to them before game time, especially as we get to a point where we got noon start times, right? And so getting a podcast to you at twelve oh five isn't going to be any good when we have noon start times for hockey games and basketball games and that sort of thing. Uh, so, yes, Orioles would have been a play, believe it or not, as part of sort of a value um, bucket, if you will. Uh, but in the case of Tommy Malone's involvement, uh, I'll stay away from that one. Uh, I will play Lance Lynn and the Rangers, minus 120, minus 115. I kind of think this should be closer to minus 150. Herman Rod- uh, Marquez uh, for the Rockies. Um, I certainly think Lynn undervalued, uh, and while I don't think the Rangers are necessarily going to be a 500 or better team this season, uh, I do think they win more than they lose with uh, Lynn on the mound and against a you know subpar, you know less than mediocre team in the Rockies. I'll take them uh, at anything sort of less than minus 140, essentially, uh, given the probabilities and percentages. Uh, back into the AL Central, the Twins and the White Sox. Well, we couldn't have spoke high, more highly of the Twins in the MLB preview show. Uh, and I certainly have my questions with regards to the White Sox. Uh, so we're going to take the Twins here at around, you know, a, a basically even split. Uh, minus 110, uh, good enough. Minus 115 is fine as well. Um, for the Twins in that spot. Uh, The Pirates and the Cardinals. Pirates going into the value bucket at plus 165 or better. Uh, You know, again, don't expect a ton from the Pirates, uh, as we talked about in the preseason show, the preview show. And you know, not again, not expecting them to necessarily win this game, especially with Flaherty on the mound for St. Louis. But at plus 165 or better, there is a little bit of value there. And I think if we throw that in the old value bucket over the course of this season, um, we should be profitable um, betting these sorts of games. Again, might not be this one specifically, but what are you going to do? Uh, next one in the card here, Seattle at Houston. Again, this should be an easy win for Houston, but at minus 300 on the money line and certainly minus money on the run line. I'm just not sure where you find any sort of a bet in this uh, in this one. Um, eight and a half on the total. Listen, the Astros could clear that on their own. I you know tweeted when I tweeted out the Dodgers over. You know, pick yesterday. I mentioned that the Dodgers could get over eight on their own. Of course, they hit 
eight exactly. So it was kind of on the money there. Uh, looking back, if I, this was sort of mid-season form and I was doing, you know, if I was locked and loaded, I probably would have gone Dodgers team total uh, in that spot. Uh, looking back on it, and we wouldn't have had to deal with any of the sort of scratch, you know, pitcher scratched issues or anything like that, or relying on the Giants to do anything for that matter. Uh, the Diamondbacks and the Padres. Uh, I do have a play here under eight and a half. Bumgarner, his first start. I think he's going to show out, and I love Chris Paddock as well. Uh, of course, in San Diego you know, an under ballpark in general. I think we're getting about a run's worth of value here. I think that probably should be closer to seven and a half. Wouldn't be surprised if it ended up getting there by the time that game rolls around. So hoping for some good pitching in San Diego at under eight and a half. Uh, And then we've got, you know, our first rematch of the season, the Giants and the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers having to go with Ross Stripling in, uh, in this one. You know, in theory, they would prefer Walker Bueller being ready to go, just not quite ready to go. He had one of the least thrilling interviews of all time in the game last night. Uh, Jeff Samarja on the mound for the Giants. Uh, in theory, this could have been a spot to take the Giants. It's just you watching them hack away yesterday, um, both both at the plate, uh, on the bases, and in the field. Uh, not something I'm looking to get involved in necessarily there. Uh, and that total at nine, I think is pretty spot on. Um, I think you could see something pretty similar to, um, to last night's game where you got, uh, you know, that, that number hovering around nine, uh, you know, in the late innings, uh, angels and athletics. I do like, well, I should say I do. I, I looked hard at the angels here. Uh, at plus 125, I don't just I just don't necessarily have that much faith in Heaney for the Angels. Um, as for the Athletics, Montas, uh, a one one guy of their uh, fleet of arms. Um, I'm going to sit back and watch and see sort of you know what the Angels actually look like under Joe Madden. Uh, are they doing anything a little bit differently under him? Uh, you know what is you know Trout. And all of that supporting cast, what are they, you know, what are they sort of looking like? And it's the same thing with the athletics. I think a lot of people are high on the athletics, um, and that's certainly indicated by a minus 145 price for them. Um, so I'm not necessarily going to fade the athletics just yet, but it did cross my mind. So that's it for the games uh, on Friday night. Just a handful of plays really there, and of course one that or one or two that were very close to being plays as well. Uh, so we're going to take the rest of the show to Twitter for the weekend. Full slate of baseball. That's where you can find my plays there for Saturday and Sunday. Of course, I'll be posting any live bets on golf. Thought we had a big winner with Tony Finau in the first round. Uh, you know, he goes six under, post six under with uh, I believe he was sharing it with one other guy for a while. Late afternoon tea times, thought there might be a chance where nobody was going to necessarily catch him, but we had a couple of outlier performances in the afternoon, didn't quite get any sort of extra wind conditions that you'll see a lot of times in the afternoon, um, so just missed out on that, did did catch him on the each, each way, not for much, because everybody in town 
went low in the afternoon and got to six under, um, but a decent sweat nonetheless. So just a small loss overall when you factor in the sprinkles that I did with some of those long shot guys. A couple of those long shot guys in the mix at least at minus two, so not all that far back, especially when you're talking about just trying to make the cut and get in the mix for a top 20 over the weekend. Uh, I put some live stuff out there, Tony, um, Tony, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, uh, you know, pretty far back, but at 50 to one, sort of worth a shot to see if he can get in the mix, especially considering uh, a top five, uh, you know, is still, of course, very possible for him, given the leaders aren't exactly a murderer's row of dudes who are going to lock you down. Uh, if if Finau wins outright and I and I blew it by taking him in the first round and not the full tournament, that would put some egg on my face. But I'm not overly worried about Mr. Finau, as we know he never closes. Uh, and if he does, you know, good for him. We'll tip our cap uh, to that. Uh, got some guys at much better numbers in, situ- in situations. Uh, a lot of the guys that I sort of talked about pre-tournament, and instead of betting them outright to win there, um, like I said. Guys who are in the 150 to 200 range, half of them are going to kick themselves right out of the tournament in the first week, and so that's a waste of capital to start off with. Wait and see. Uh, some of those guys who have sort of a low, under under the radar, let's call it, round, uh, and a couple of them did to sort of be at minus two, and their numbers didn't really change all that much, 125 to 1, 151. So you can sprinkle around and try to hit uh, an each way, you know, top five with them at uh, at a pretty colossal number. Again, just sprinkles, nothing, you know, not full units by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's all on the golf, um, you know, the golf revisiting, the golf uh, evaluating what we're doing out here podcast that I did earlier on in this week. I'm going to miss not having an F1 race to bet on this week, and I know you probably can't believe that just came out of my mouth. I haven't talked about it here because I've literally watched two races in my entire life. But Netflix's Drive to Survive show, if you haven't checked it out, two seasons, basically the last two seasons uh, of F1, roped me and the misses into F1. I didn't even think I was going to start watching F1. But again, Sunday mornings, you know, the wife's got the co- you know the coffee going, uh, you know, have some eggs, throw on an F1 race, enjoy yourself. Um, if, especially if you watch Drive to Survive, you get to learn all the sort of characters involved, um, both on track and off track. Uh, so I've been dipping my toe into that world. Uh, Max Verstappen last week, here's an example of a bet that you can make in F1. Uh, there are a ton of bets, way more than I thought you would ever be able to make. Of course, you can bet guys to win. We all kind of figured that. Uh, podium. You know, you can bet them to get on the podium. That is even a live bet option at times. So if a guy is in sixth or seventh place and he can get motoring and you think he might be able to grab third, then you might be able to get some decent odds. Max Verstappen last week uh, qualified in seventh. He is sort of a top three driver. You can make the case he's, you know, arguably the best driver and maybe doesn't have the best car, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, started on the, in the seventh spot and so was able to grab him plus three 50 to get in you know into the podium and literally the first two or three turns he had you know the the start in f1 is insane by the way uh totally worth it just for that first lap if you showed up for the first lap and the last lap nobody would be all that offended i don't think uh but he zooms from seventh to third on the first lap and from there it was just a matter of him keeping that spot 
uh, and then cashed relatively easily at plus 350. Uh, you can get you know top six, which just about anybody on any given race can finish in the top six. Uh, the wildest one is fastest lap. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean the leader is going to have the fastest lap at any given point. Sometimes it's the guy chasing the leader. Sometimes it's a guy who has a ton of track in front of him. He might be in fifth place and he's, you know, 20 seconds behind fourth place and he needs to try to make up some ground and has plenty of space to do it and can rip around. And the broadcasts are incredible because they're showing you, oh, boom, this guy had just had the best lap. And you're sort of, it's almost like playing roulette or some sort of Kino bingo type game. You know, maybe your guy gets his, his the fastest lap and now you're hoping that you never see anybody else get the fastest lap. And of course, as the race goes on, it gets more and more intense throughout. And all the odds are, by and large, you know, astronomical because everybody's kind of at least sort of capable um, of having one really, really good lap. So uh, gonna miss the F1, but it's back the following week might, you know, again, that's a spot where I'll throw something out on Twitter. Uh, but more importantly, we've got a true Stanley Cup playoff preview. We had fun the uh, the other day with the wheel, our sort of brainless, you don't have to handicap anything. And if you just want action during the Stanley Cup playoffs, that's your, uh, that's your jam right there. But the playoff preview uh, is in production right now. It's a two-parter for early next week. We're going to get it out with plenty of time before the, the uh, playoffs start. Of course, that also means a billion things can change between the time we, uh, you know, send it out and the time that the playoffs start. That's just the era that we live in. It's unprecedented. I don't know if I mentioned that. Uh, anyway, that preview will blow your socks off because some of these numbers that uh, I'm seeing uh, are counterintuitive to sort of what I think a lot of people will think at home. And of course, that only means you're creating value. Uh, and so hopefully that ends up working out. Uh, so move some things around on your calendar for that because we're looking at a couple of hours of content uh, on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you can find all the weekend tweets at authentic. Until next time, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you at the window.